0: Yes, yes, welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network for July 27th, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. Jackson, what's the good word?
1: All is well, all is well over here on this side,
0: doing great. You're sporting uh, the new merch I see. Yep. I'm sporting, you just gave me a new TMA hat, which is truly sharp. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, The uh, merch is available at InsideSTLShop.com. Yours says 707 in St. Louis with the little TMA logo with the Banty Rooster. Yep. I've got the TMA golf cap. You can get yours at InsideSTLShop.com. And this is questions from the audience, but it's just basically our podcast uh, at this particular moment. Although anticipate changes um, in the next, oh, I don't know, five, six months. But uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can contact uh, for questions, uh, comments, opinions, requests for deep dives, and most importantly, erotic stories. And today we have an erotic story.
1: What? Today, we have
0: it. I guess if I get one for every 10 times I ask for one, (laughs) the juice is worth the squeeze. Absolutely. Send yours in anytime. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T M C K E R N A N at com. The Home Loan The sponsor of our studios, Ryan Kelly. If you are looking to buy a home, if you are looking to refinance, go to the Home Loan Expert. And right now, you've got to get pre approved if you are going to be getting a home. Go to TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, once again, doing charitable works this week, always raising money for charities, always seemingly climbing mountains to raise money for people. That's Ryan Kelly, The Home Loan Expert. Online at TheHomeLoanExpert.com. I have refinanced with him. I have been pre-approved with him. His staff is outstanding. The process is easy. It's Ryan Kelly, The Home Loan Expert. Dot com. James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800. After you get your home with Ryan, you need to get it insured. Go to James Carlton. They're in Webster Groves at, uh, well, I don't know, right downtown Webster Groves. And the number is uh, 314-961-4800. Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Make sure you get involved with James and you'll be happy that you did. They're always looking for ways to save you money. I'm in the process of getting a new car, which I will talk about momentarily. And James is already like, oh, get me the VIN number and the the financing company. I'll take care of everything else. It'll be all set up and you'll be done. I'm like, man, this guy, that's it. Usually it's a whole process, but now with James Carlton, 314-961-4800. He has an incredible staff. He invests his money in the business and uh, the profits back into the business. So they have a great staff. To always take care of you. 314 961 4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. And uh, Jackson, I was just talking about the car. I just mm-hmm. got it literally uh, a brand new car from Munganast and I couldn't be happier. Yep. Uh, St. Louis Accura.com, AltonToyota.com. Uh, Peter Munganast was here. You just met Peter. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Great guy. Um, and uh, just uh, filled out the paperwork, have a new car. And it was kind of in the process of going from what was my old car that I just got from Munganast in October, I think, of 2020. And I was just using this one kind of as a, you know, is just, just using it in between the process. Mm-hmm. uh loaner vehicle, as the term would be. Yeah. And I loved it so much. It's an Acura MDX. And I'm like... I just have to have this. This is this is so much easier. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the technology is the thing that stands out for the 2022 model. So we got that. Love it. Got it from Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson at Munganast. St. Louis and AltonToyota.com. It's Munganast, the official car dealership of the Tim McKernan Show. Jackson, if I say give me three topics that are on your mind, go. I'm, I, I didn't even brief you on this. Even though I've got an erotic story literally in the queue, I want to put you on the spot and sure. see what is on your mind. It can be anything, something that you could be personally dealing with. Because I know you're like, I got to ship out the shirts, I got to ship out the hats, I got a TMA live. Whatever is really, really on your mind, uh-huh. I want to hear. I want to know where you are. I want to get inside your head, and then I'll own your soul. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I I've been thinking about the NBA off and some moves that are going to be made. What a great answer! I am That'll think- lead to hate emails. Love it. I am thinking about uh, You're truly
0: that's the that's the first thing that came. You're a twenty three year old single gentleman. Uh-huh. You got a you got a rising stock in our in our show community, in the uh-huh. broadcast community. Uh you know this program has some exciting things going on. Uh-huh. You just moved into a new place. Uh-huh. And the first thing that came to mind when I said that to you was, well, the NBA offseason.
1: Well, I was talking with my friends about it in this Jonas you know, this, this move, so I, it was just on my mind. And then uh I'm still thinking about this SEC thing. It's still trying to wrap my head around what's going to happen here.
0: Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Talking Oklahoma, like it. Texas.
1: I like, I, like, I, I like the idea of less individual, con- more like of centralized four conferences of uh, just bigger conferences of all the Power Five schools. I think it's a better move. Uh, I think everyone, I think it just it will make more excitement. I don't know. I think it, it definitely is going to be interesting. Um, and I think the SEC is kind of like the guinea pig for it. Cause I think in 2022, everything's going to look different. Yeah. Uh, the entire landscape of college sports. So I think it's, a uh, I I think we're entering a really cool time in college sports history. So that's on my mind. And then, yeah, preparing for this TMA live and for, uh, getting the merchandise out, getting everything I need to get done, done. Uh, that's always the, always on my mind is what I got to get done. And, uh, do it to the best of my abilities. So that's really what's on my mind.
0: I had a meeting with someone yesterday mm-hmm. and I was raving about you at the meeting oh, I sure and the person it. said, why are you so high on him? Not because this person doesn't know who you are. Uh huh. And I said, I, it's, it's very difficult to explain. I would consider you, mm-hmm. um, one of the best additions we've had to this show and the show's history. Really appreciate that. Yeah, because now I think you're, I think the audience has accepted you so me praising you won't hurt you. So now I can, now I can come out of the closet. <laughs> um, so it's very liberating for me. I'm going to uh-huh. be bottoming all over town. <laughs> but that... I said, I, you know, it's very... It's difficult to explain. Attitude certainly, I think, would stand out to me. But you don't know that you have a good attitude.
1: That's how I kind of... Just kind of am.
0: Exactly. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I think we share the belief that we can do a hell of a lot more than we've done. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, this is a paycheck and I'll just take it and we'll just ex- stay. We, you know, exist. We want to grow and we have ideas to grow and yep. and are excited by that. Uh, and I told the person, I said, I kind of feel like I could be working with Jackson. Not that's to say it'll happen. Who knows what the hell's going to wind up happening. I, I could wind up, you know, doing whatever and you could wind up doing whatever, but I could wind up working with Jackson for like, you know twenty years that'd be great you you'd like that I mean dealing with me <laughs> for two decades
1: i I just I just love everything like ever since I've started this gig it's just gotten better and better to be honest with you like everything every day I wake up happy so if I could do that for twenty more years, continue to grow and we can continue to grow yeah I think that would be awesome
0: it would be uh, it would be great if it worked out that way i'm I'm thrilled that the audience has picked up on it oftentimes we have uh, situations where I'm like oh man the audience really likes, dislikes, or thinks the one thing and doesn't think of the, you know, but, but in this case, the audience is on board. And I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's sponsors. I've had mm-hmm. some sponsors. I remember Mark, Mark Hanna and I feel like we talked about it. I think maybe James Carlton and I have talked about it. That's awesome. Um, so people are on board and that is why I wanted to get inside your head and see what you're thinking and what's on your mind. And if we are, we are on the same page. I'm not thinking about the NBA off season. I think you give me a list of the top 100 things on my mind. <laughs> And I wouldn't be thinking about the, but it's not to say I dismiss the NBA. Yeah, I'm not thinking about really the NHL's off season no. either. And, and we have an organization right here in town. It's just not something I really spend all of that much time thinking. I am thinking about the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas. That does interest me. Yeah, quite a bit. I think the reason why I like it, I the, number one, and I'm not saying other people think think otherwise. I just don't know if it's necessarily talked about because it's not necessarily a comfortable thing to talk about per se, even though I think most of us, whether Missouri, Illinois, St. Louis, you Alabama, USC, Ohio state fans, whatever, or some doormat program, take your pick. doesn't matter. We know it isn't clean. Mm-hmm. So I'm not under the auspice like, Oh my God, they're doing this to make money. Well, it's a business. Yeah. I would always, I said this to Doug on the radio show yesterday, I said it would drive me up the wall. I mean, I wouldn't get really worked up about it, but when they would bring out, and I was covering Missouri basketball teams in the NCAA tournament, they'd sit down, Ricky Paulding, Arthur Johnson, Mm -hmm. Kareem Rush, uh, now our student athletes from the University of Missouri, like they had to go out of their way. Yeah, Like if you're covering the baseball playoffs, they don't say, uh, now our member of the St. Louis Cardinals, third baseman, Nolan Arenado. It's like they have to go out of their way to... To force the fake yeah. student athlete thing. It's just not real. So, if you take it for what I take it for, which is entertainment, and how am I most entertained? How do my synapses fire the most? It's energy. Yeah. If you include Oklahoma and Texas, you have increased the energy. You are not necessarily bringing on, take your pick. I mean, you are really. I, Gabe Diarman was on with us this morning of powermazoo.com. And he said, if the, if these were baseball teams, basically the SEC went out and added Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. So if you're the Big Ten, how do you respond to that? So from an excitement standpoint, you've added those on. Does it make it more difficult for Missouri to win? Yes. Was it difficult for Missouri to win before? Yes.
1: Yeah, that's my thing. People are like, it's now, it's, well, it was hard when they had Alabama, yeah, it's Georgia. Like, it's not like that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I'm looking to be, I'm, I love, You go to a college football game and the atmosphere, especially, you know, I mean, I I don't want to limit it to when the weather's nice. That makes it better. For sure. But one of my favorite sporting events I've ever been to was Missouri KU at Arrowhead in 2007. Mm -hmm. What were you? Nine?
1: Nine. Was that the sod racing game? It was sod racing.
0: Yeah. Um, And it was, I mean, it was bitterly cold. So it it doesn't have to be perfect, but the atmosphere, that was atmosphere. You have two arch rivals playing to be number one in the country. I love that. I recognize it can't happen all of the time. But if you include Texas and Oklahoma in there, ideally they play more conference games than non-conference, the the, the, the stuff of September with the randoms goes away or at least decreases that increases. You know, it's like, okay, I'd like to see, I'd like to go down to Columbia, September 4th, central Michigan. I don't really guess central Michigan, Mm -hmm. whatever Jim McElwain, former Florida coach. But, um, You're not going for the game. You're going for the atmosphere. Definitely. You go in October against Tennessee or Texas A&M, you really might be going. They may be undefeated, Mm -hmm. and you might have a spot where you're going, man, this is, you know, now I'm in a big game plus atmosphere. That's what I love. Missouri-Oklahoma in 2010. Mm -hmm. um, John McGaffey returning the opening kick when college game day was there. The atmosphere of that when Henry Josie broke off the run against A&M to clinch the SEC East. When they beat Arkansas to clinch the SEC East, those kinds of atmospheres. Yes. That's what I, when I walked into the building in the Georgia Dome in 2013 and 14, going, oh my God, my alma mater is playing for the SEC championship. That's Definitely. what I think as a college sports fan, if you are not in the Alabama category, Ohio State category, where that's the expectation and you get that opportunity, that is, it's just like going into a World Series game, the playoff game, the charge in the air an NCAA tournament game, you know, beyond the first round kind of thing. Um, a blues playoff game, a Stanley cup playoff game, the atmosphere there. I guess I've been to one NBA playoff game in my life accidentally. Have you been to an NBA playoff game?
1: No, I've only been to two NBA games in my life. Really? Where have <laughs> you been? Uh, the Sixers playing the Grizzlies and the Sixers were in the middle of them winning like 18 games a year at that time. They were awful. Trust the process. No, this is way before the process. <laughs> this is where like Tayshaun Prince was the best player on oh, the nice. floor. Yeah, so that's a random. And then I got to go to Madison Square Garden to see the Knicks play the Timberwolves, and that oh, nice. just going to the MSG and seeing a Knicks game was like doesn't matter who's who they're playing. It was just awesome.
0: I have never I've been to Madison Square Garden, but only to be at Penn Station, which is under Madison <laughs> yeah. Square Garden. But yeah, I have no. not uh, I have not gone for an event there. Uh, yeah, I, I was covering the Blues and the Stars in the playoffs in 2001, uh-huh. and I think I was shooting a live shot. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, American Airlines Arena, where the Mavericks and Stars play now, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken.
1: I think what, it's the American Airlines Center, American Airlines Arenas in Miami. It's really really ah, weird. Nice.
0: I've been I've been to both. Then theoretically. Yeah. And I was doing a live shot outside the building. The blues had a skate that day. I think they played Friday night and the Mavericks were playing the jazz. I honestly didn't even know (laughs) that that was going to be going on when I was doing this television live shot. Yeah. And I walk in and the door just happens to be kind of cracked open to the outside. Yeah. And I'm just like standing like at the very top row where the entry is. And I'm looking down, I'm like, oh, there's Carl Malone and John (laughs) Stockton. Yeah. And I'm watching a Mavericks jazz. Yeah. Playoff game. Pretty you know. cool. Yeah. So so that's as close as I can say. It, by definition was an NBA playoff game that I literally stumbled into. <laughs> uh and what was the third thing on your mind? You're looking to get laid at Wheelhouse? Is that what it was? What was the third thing? Oh,
1: TMA yeah. Live. TMA Well, yeah, and just getting everything I need to get done.
0: With the with the inside STL shop, because you're moving merch like crazy.
1: Moving merch like crazy. We got I got You a- do
0: have some good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Is it
0: weird? Alright, I'll ask you. I'll start with you. Is it weird for you to be wearing the merchandise of the show you are a part of. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying with that?
1: Yeah. No, because I see myself. Like, as, what if we saw
0: Nolan Arnado out with a Cardinal hat on? That would be. Wouldn't th- it be weird? That would be weird
1: for sure. But I feel like, I don't know.
0: Because I, hmm. I love this TMA golf hat that you just bestowed upon me.
1: Yeah. But
0: then I'm thinking to myself, is it a little dig me for sure. Okay, you get it. All right, you're with me on it that. It is a little dig me. but It then is, and I don't, I, I'm not really, I, I like, like, so I would wear this if I were in Hilton Head. I would wear this if I were in Florida. But around I'm, St. Louis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, I don't think it is necessarily for you. I don't think Doug would wear it under any circumstances, so that's not in play. Doug wouldn't
1: wear it to bed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, but I, but I don't think, I don't think it is. I don't think it is for you. And I don't know what the difference is. I mean, I guess I'm thinking of like how long you've been on it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You created it. You know, I love it. I don't go look at this motherfucker, you know, but I I love the hat. I just don't know if I would feel like I'd wear it around my house. I would maybe wear it. If I were running to go up to the grocery store and had my son and wife with me or something like that, mm -hmm. but I were playing golf. I don't know if I would wear, I don't know if it's a weird thing. Yes. Let me ask the audience. What do you think? Is it a weird thing if I'm wearing TMA stuff? I don't know. Yeah, I think. It's not meant as a, I just like the shit that you've made. That's all it is. Appreciate it. Uh But I'm, I'm cognizant of hatred. And so to try to take, like I said, the theme I've learned here over the last few months, I've been talking to my wife a lot about this, addition by subtraction. And so if it invites negativity, avoid it. And this might, I, not that I would not, you know, yeah. I'm not going to have like people want to fight me, but <laughs> just kind of like, they might be like, oh, this fucking guy thinks he's so great. Cause he's got a radio show, which isn't it. I just like, oh, I like the hat and that's all there is to it. No doubt. But I, but I would get somebody like yeah. if I were an accountant uh-huh. and I were playing with somebody who had a radio show and they were wearing the name of their radio show, I might be like, Look at this much. fucking guy. Yeah,
1: little bit. Little, little much. Bit, little bit. Little much. I, w- I will say two things. If Iggy were to wear an Iggy for Mayor shirt or hat, no doubt, would be that's wonderful. A, that's a dig me thing, but I would be, <laughs> be totally wonderful. Totally, I could see it happening. Be totally down with it too. Yeah. Uh, but the day I wore that red TMA logo shirt to the Cardinal game and then got on the Bally Sports broadcast and there was a bunch of screenshots of it. We did see an uptick on the, on the store. Marketing, marketing, marketing. So always be branding is kind of been my, uh, my mo here, so always be branding because you never know where the camera might land.
0: Well, you've happened to create some legitimately great stuff. I just feel like it's a weird spot.
1: Mm-hmm. No, you're not wrong. Yeah,
0: okay, yeah, all right. So you, so you see, where I'm coming from. I'm glad you see where I'm coming from.
1: It's not like an insta call. Like, oh, this is totally normal. I will. I wear
0: stuff. the TMA stuff when I'm in Florida or Hilton Head, and don't even think twice about no, it.
1: Because no one who. That,
0: but here, and again, the weird thing about it is to try to describe it. I think one out of a hundred people would recognize me. That's, that's I truly believe. It's we're talking 1%. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't go anywhere anyway, yeah. but one, I'd say 1% and that might be high. It might be like a half a percent, but we we'll call it 1%. But for that 1%, oftentimes they're really, 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 really into it. It's yep. great. You want that. That's, that's, that's what you want. No you doubt know, it, come, it cuts both ways, but you know, when it gets down to it, that's what you want. That's, uh, that's, you know, the name of the game. And then you got, oh, you're wearing TMA stuff out. And I'd go, yeah, I kind, I'm kind of with you. And I don't have an explanation for it. I just know I feel a little odd about it, yeah. but I love the shirt you're wearing, the 707 in St. Louis shirt. Yeah. The hat that you, uh, the TMA golf hat. I love this stuff.
1: Yeah. It's great. And like people if it stood that.
0: for tailor-made association yeah. and it was a golf hat, I would probably wear it. Yeah. But because it stands for our show. Yeah. It's, I feel like a jagoff. It, it's it's so a I'm weird wearing spot. it in here, where only me and you and passersby of the podcast studio can see it. Which there are plenty. There, there are. I'm just, just Wells.
1: Yeah, we essentially do the we do the show on uh, on, on fifth, display. Yeah, on Fifth Avenue. Yeah, it's in New like York. the Today
0: Show studios. <laughs> um, so the, so that so uh, insidestlshop.com is where you can get it. Another here's what's on my mind. I got what's okay. on my mind. The Dick Wayner sound story. Yeah, you're gonna make I knew you're gonna make a sound to, the, to that. Yeah. And I'm, I know everybody listening will know no, nothing about it as we talk about it, but I'll get into it in a moment. And I'm sure plenty of people are like, who is Dick Wayner? At the same time, I know some people hear it and go Dick Wayner, Oh, my God. I'll explain my fucking teeth. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, I had another thing. I had another thing. I'll have to figure that out as I go. But I know I had three things. That's why I had three things for you. So, sound story. We're back to doing them in person. I hope we can continue to do that. Part Mm -hmm. of me fears that that's going to be nixed soon. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. It hasn't been nixed. Beat with the St. Louis city and county regulations and all of that. And I would totally understand if the station said, yeah, we're not going to mess with it. Get it. Uh, that's, That's why we were doing them over Zoom. Zoom. But now we're uh, back to being able to have people in studio Um, and uh, you can go to mysoundstory.com to book them, whether it be you doing one for your parents or grandparents, you doing one for your children, you and your brothers and sisters doing one for your parents, you and your wife talking about your, your wedding day, you talking about your kids, whatever. And you can talk about anything. Um, And I love doing them. I truly love doing them. Here's the thing about them. You could say, as we've talked about a hundred times on this thing, you got to do TMA for 10 hours. And I'd be like, okay, whatever. And I know we've said that we said it last week, but when I know I have a sound story, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Now you probably don't because you're, you're there. Yeah. You, it'd be weird if you did, uh-huh. but I do. And I was talking about this with my wife this week and I said, you know, I got a sound story and not only is it just any sound story, but every one of them, I, every one of my I have anxiety about. Um, it's with I call him, and I still will call him Mr. Wayner. His name is Dick Wayner, and he was the athletic director at St. Louis U High for, I don't know how many years, forever until recently, and he still teaches theology there. And I truly think, and he'll be embarrassed when I say this, but I it's how I feel, so I say it, I think he may be, it, for certain Mount Rushmore, of finest human beings I've met in my life, for real. And I know the people who are listening to this who know who he is will echo that. And you got a chance to meet him yesterday Yep. and you got done and you were just like, oh my God, we ought yeah. to make that a
1: podcast. I was floored. I was honestly floored by like how passionate he was for education and his passion for his students and just life in general. Like you, you, and so authentic. It yeah. Was,
0: it really floored me. He was, he was that same guy when I was there and he was teaching me theology in 1992. So there are a couple, a couple of layers to it. The reason I think I have had I have anxiety when I do sound stories is not because of the actual event. It's, as you know, because you sit here through these, they're conversations. And I mm-hmm. love them because I'm just learning about people. It's not like I'm like, okay, I've got Eli Drinkwitson, so I've got to ask about this and that. And if I don't, I've messed up. Yeah. It's a private conversation that only family and friends will hear, unless in the case of Dick Weiner and his family and friends, they say, yeah, go ahead and you can make it public. Um, and I guess we can ask that if they want to do it. But we the agreement is these are private. We don't make them public. That is not what these are. These are for private uh, as of family and friends and whoever else would want to listen to it. Um, They're their property. Once we are done doing the interview, um, we send an MP3 over and, and that's it. The person's story and voice lives forever. Um, but I feel pressure to perform. Mm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I've kind of had to like look inward as to what it is, because the the next 90 minutes, maybe, give or take, whatever it is, sometimes it's 60 minutes, sometimes it's 120 minutes, it, it are going to be this part. People are going to listen to this. Yeah. Dick Wainer's great-grandkids, who may never meet him, yeah. are going to hear his story Uh and I have an obligation to be the absolute best and on my game. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel pressure. It's a weird thing. And it's it's not not like I ever get done going, oh my God, I screwed it up. Cause I mean, how do you know? Cause they're not public and people are going, oh, that was terrible. Yeah. You have no reactions to it, but you just want to get the job done for people. They are entrusting you with their loved one's story, Mm -hmm. someone they think highly enough to buy this, you know, sound story for and I got to make sure I deliver, and it just, and so when, when it's Dick Wayner who, you know, I, as I said, I said, when we were interviewing, I said, I can't call you anything but Mr. Wayner. Mm-hmm. um, I'm like, th- I mean, this, this, you know, and that's what he said, he goes, who would have thought 25 years ago, we'd be yeah. sitting here, you know, pretty cool, uh, you know, I'm like, I've got to, I've got to make sure I deliver because he is such a great human being, and I truly and I've said this to him privately. I'll say this here as well. If my son grows up to be Dick Wainer, I'd, I'd take that over him being Tiger Woods. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's, I don't know how else to, to describe the man. I know a number of people in high school athletics are familiar with him. He's just, he's just, he's just as real as it gets. He has 10 kids. Unreal. Uh, he's been married since 79, 10 kids. First one and born in 80, last one born in 2000, unless he's got another surprise coming soon. Yeah. Um, you know, so just the best An honor to do that. Uh, I, but it's always an honor to do all of these things, man. And I know, listen, a bunch of people have sent in, got them saved here. Kind of like when you were the first person to email in for the, (laughs) uh, the gangster Pete uh, job. Yeah. Um, people have emailed and I've responded to the emails, but we just haven't moved on the hiring of somebody to, uh, to work with me and Jackson on running sound story. But we do plan on expanding it, um, might be in 2022, but, uh, we do plan on expanding it. And, um, I just love doing it. It's, it's, I just can't get enough of, of hearing people's stories and the fact that they pour their hearts out and knowing that their families and their friends Will always have their story. Yeah. Is the
1: best. Yeah sometimes you know. i would get anxiety on zoom when we would do them because i was nervous it wasn't recording we never had a, it we never had it knock on wood that will never happen but we ne- but i
0: was thinking like if the wireless whether it be my wireless or mine because it's a yeah cause you were doing sometimes remotely right and yeah. then or the persons i mean you know sometimes you're dealing with people who are older and they might not have the yeah. highest speed stuff or in a rural area and they might not have the high speed stuff i was down in florida for a few of them yeah you know where i mean if it doesn't work out and this person, you can't recreate that. So we've no. been lucky. And I swear, sometimes I look over there. I'm just waiting for you to go. Oh my god! I double like it happens in oh, television. 100%. It's where the TMA logo, Banty Rooster comes from. Because you of know, Earl Weaver. The Earl Weaver story. Yeah, yeah. I feel like anytime I bring up TMA history, you know it. And I don't even have to explain. God, it. But that's for the audience, the greatest purpose, story ever. Doug was interviewing. I guess Earl Weaver had retired and moved to Miami, and Doug was working in Miami and nbc new york the network called and said hey you know he he, can you come can you interview earl for us and he goes over he had just retired he's crying his eyes out doug gets the interview thanks him you know i know most people don't do this stuff so you don't know what that's like but when somebody does that you feel like that person has given of themselves to you absolutely to to open up that much yeah you shake hands you you thank them and you're he's in his home that's where a lot of these kinds of interviews would take place and then you get the hell out. Yes. And then they go back to the truck and his photographer realizes, as we called it in the business, I don't know if they still use the term, double clicked, which means hit record, but then hit it again, which means it stopped recording. Exactly. And so they realize, oh shit, this man <laughs> poured his heart out. <laughs> this guy who, by the way, you know, is infamous for his outbursts on the field. Temper, Th- for there sure. was an Earl Weaver well, I don't even know if it was a Nintendo game. It was like a computer game in the nineteen eighties. And we would play it only to see Earl Weaver run out on the field. I mean like like, you know, like two pixels. Yeah. Earl Weaver would run out on <laughs> the field and argue with the umpire Earl Weaver baseball. Yeah. So Doug has to go back, knock on the door. And it's
1: Doug who has to go and back. Doug, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the guy who, you know. Fucked up. The way yeah. it
0: works. It's it's always the on air guy's got to take the bullet. Yeah. And um <laughs> and Doug says, Hey, I'm sorry, and explains, and and Earl's not happy and he's kind of you know, becoming a banny rooster it's getting there. And, uh, and they do it again, pours his heart out. Definitely not as detailed as the first time.
1: Nope. It's just trying to get it done. Just gets point. it
0: done. Doug's like, okay, I'm going to get out of here. And then they realize something was wrong. I don't know if the mic wasn't on Doug or the mic wasn't on him or whatever. Something was wrong. And now he's got to go back. at third time. I'm telling you, man, I've had it happen, but it was like when I was starting out in journalism school with Gene McCarter, uh-huh. who is, I think the associate athletic director to Joe Castiglione, who's now at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and I had to go back three times and the second time, you know, he was cool and he was cool the whole time. Don't get me wrong. His, his son was a, a fraternity brother of mine, uh-huh. but, uh, the third time, I think he was just like, I think he probably wanted to say, listen, you need to switch majors. <laughs> you might be Bob Costas, for all I know, but you can't figure out how to fucking hit record. <laughs> so, yeah, I but, but you know, God bless. I mean, this is a guy kind of doing a favor for a student. This is yeah. not a Hall of Fame manager <laughs> who's retired and, yeah. you know, not known necessarily for being gregarious, who's just no. bawling, and Doug has to go back a third time, and now he's a banning Rooster. Throwing and now him. he's just, Pouting all over the house. Throwing shit around. And and I think Doug said they had a portrait of the family, but they were nude above the couch, which totally adds to the story. Somebody he interviewed at their home in Miami, had a portrait of the family nude. Oh,
1: God, that's so odd. That's so, <laughs> God, that's so creepy. Can
0: you imagine? Oh. You're already just furious that this has happened. Yeah. The guy you're interviewing hates you. Despite. And then
1: like over his shoulder
0: is a portrait of his
1: nude family. Not to mention you're doing this for the network. It's <laughs> yeah. not like this is yeah. like a no, assignment. No,
0: it's it's kind of like you're doing a favor, but it's the deal when you're an affiliate that you got to yeah. go do this stuff. Yeah. Holy shit. How would I get on this? How the fuck did I get on this? Um, that's, that's the name of the podcast is how the fuck Yeah, get that, on that this? essentially is it. We cut up our Adderall, we <laughs> yep. snort it up and we go yep. and God only knows where we're going to go. So I have, I had that on my mind. Um, I, the, the tooth thing. So the wisdom teeth thing, I sometimes feel like, but I want to do this, but I don't know if I'm being, I don't know if I were 23. Mm-hmm. So I was 23 when I was a KMOV. Mm-hmm. I like to think, but at that time, I'm sure I thought, I mean, I'm 23, I'm working in St. Louis. I'm the fucking, you yeah. know, I can't imagine just the arrogance. I mean, <laughs> if you think it's bad now, imagine that. I had hair then, too. Uh, that if, if a 44-year-old, first off, I would look at a 44-year-old as like, oh, you've got a few years left and you're going to pass. <laughs> you know, a 44-year-old would say, hey, listen, I need, you know, I want you to listen to me on this. But I do, I feel this like when I talk about Mark Hanna, yeah. you know, and you started working with Mark, which is mm-hmm. great. Yep. Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies, evergreenstl.com, financial advisor to the stars, including Action Jackson and producer Joe, for that matter, online at evergreenstl.com. And his phone number is 3148, I almost memorized it, 314-889-0503, yeah, to the great Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies. That's one thing I would say to a 23-year-old. Here's another thing I want to say to you. Get the wisdom teeth pulled. Yeah, I know you don't need to right now, but well, you will. Yeah. I'm, you will. And to get it done at 44, I went in last Tuesday so we could go today and they were hurting me last Monday when we recorded the podcast. Okay. But I wasn't like, you know, I just, I thought, I honestly thought I had food caught in my teeth. That's what I thought it mm-hmm. was. And then I went to bed that night. I'm like, Oh good. I'll get a good night's sleep. And then I woke up like at one and I, it was killing me and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep. And 12 hours later, my wisdom teeth were out, my lowers mm-hmm. and I go in there to the uh, oral surgeon, who's an amusing character, by the way, but I know he doesn't want me to give his name. Mm -hmm. Great guy. And he goes, you were in here less than a year ago. Why the hell did we get both these taken? Because I had the uppers taken out last year. He goes, why didn't? And then he looked at the x-ray and he goes, oh God, he goes, one of these is like growing in backwards. You know, I don't even know what that or upside down or something. And he goes, here's your nerve. And he showed me the nerve of my, I guess this is the right one down here. He goes, He goes, it's really close to the nerve. This is going to be a process. He goes, but if you don't get it taken out, he started laying out the scenarios of how bad this, he goes, you got to get taken out today. Yeah. He goes, but you really should have gotten this taken out when you were in high school. So I want to say to the people, this is, listen, is it going to affect me at all, Jackson? If you don't, it isn't. Uh But I want, I want to try to help people with my experience. Pursue, pursue threesomes, foursomes, fivesomes. I really think you should. I think it's good for a relationship. I really believe in that. Um, monitor carbohydrate intake, uh, travel as much as possible, try to find some form of income that is not a guaranteed paycheck and then get your wisdom teeth taken out. Those are, those are my, uh, and then play golf in your thirties and don't just abandon the sport. So then you come back in your forties and go, what the hell did I do? Those are my, those are my six lessons for the people. That's what I'm trying to give, give the people. Your wisdom teeth may not be hurting. My lowers weren't hurting this time last year, which is why they didn't mess with them. I Mm -hmm. think you're saying letting a sleeping dog lie. But it's been a week since the surgery, and I—I mean, I go to eat. I had, as you know, I had a lunch yesterday. Yeah. Relatively speaking, an important one. Uh huh. And I go to to try to eat my salad, and the lettuce (laughs) just—which is a great look. Oh yeah! What a professional, (laughs) you know, and. And I, cause I can't open my fucking mouth. Yeah. I, the jaws will not, I, the yeah. right side, which is where the bad tooth was, has gotten better. Yeah. The left side still hurt. It's been a week. That's brutal. I, so, that's brutal. So I called them yesterday because I'm such a bitch. And <laughs> just, there's just no, there's no other, and my, and my wife knows I'm a bitch. <laughs> And I'm like, should I go back on? I guess they gave me Percocet. And yeah. I got off that shit like that. Yeah, I think I the, took it for one. I got it, the surgery on Tuesday. I was done with it on Thursday. So I haven't fucked with it. Yeah. And I'm going to fuck with it. And I go, oh, gosh, should I get back on it? Because I'm really hurt. I'm still not able to sleep. And I call the doctor's office. And she goes, well, let me take a look at your x-rays. And she goes, oh, God, yeah, you're going to be hurting for a while. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that was a
1: bad one. That Which was a bad, great, one. always great what you want to hear. Yeah.
0: I go, like, okay, well, I go, I go, if it's supposed to be this way, yeah. then fine, so yeah, I haven't really been able to enjoy like the treat that I would like to enjoy, like right, I just go, Okay, I haven't eaten. I, remember, I told you before I went into surgery. I say I, I have a buck sixty four point two. I mean, just fucking brick shit house. Yes, <laughs> ripped up <laughs> absolutely. This <Just> brick shit house, <laughs> two torn in My. Respective shoulders, you know, just absolutely falling apart. Peak male body. And I said, Well, I wonder what I will weigh when this thing is done. And the way in today, I was 160 on the nose. So if you want to lose weight, yeah, get your wisdom, get your teeth, wisdom teeth. teeth pulled at 44 yeah. and enjoy the fun and games. Yeah, it's 160 because I can't fucking, I don't even want to eat because it's such a pain in the ass to eat. Yeah. So that's on my mind. And I had another thing. I don't know what the hell my third thing was, but that's my advice to the people get your wisdom teeth taken. Oh, it was so bad. I had a stroke play tournament this week. Yep. A stroke play two day tournament, mm-hmm. and I was really looking forward to it because I've gotten to the point now that I'm not in the C flight, not even the B flight. I'm in the championship flight. What an wow. honor! Wow. Now I'm up against guys who play in the Missouri amateur events. They're pluses. Yeah. There's, there. I think there were 11 people in the flight. There was no way, like you could. I would have said if you, I get a thousand dollars if you win on a dollar bet. Mm-hmm. I'd just save the dollar. Yeah. I'm not going to win. Yeah. But. To get to the point that now I'm in that flight, that was that was wonderful, and I was looking forward to, and it's and when I say stroke play, like if I get a 20 on a hole, yeah, you put 20. 20, you are not, there are no gimmies, yeah. you are putting everything out, you, so, are ha- you are playing by the literal rules. I don't know if you saw Sung Kang get a 12 on uh, yeah, 18 on this uh, past Saturday. If I got a 12, I got a 12. So I go out, I hadn't played at all since going to Hilton head. And I go out there on Friday. I'm like, I think I'm getting better. I'm off the Percocet. Yeah. I'll see how it goes. And after three holes, I'm like, oh my God, I can't play golf because of my wisdom teeth. Yeah. It, it hurts. I'm just like. It just hurts to move. It hurts a- to move. And I know I'm not right. Yeah. And so I'm like, and on top of it was supposed to be in the mid nineties. I'm like this, I, I don't want to, the thing you don't want to get are dry sockets. And not to say that playing golf would lead to dry sockets, but if I just don't want to risk anything yeah. and I'm not right. And so I had a WD. I didn't even, I didn't even play in the event. I mean, I went out there and I saw the pro afterwards after I played and even finished nine holes. I said, I said, I'm sorry. I, I there's absolutely no way I can do, yeah. especially a two day tournament. Yeah. Cause what you don't want to have happen is you go out there and you score like, you know, whatever, some shitty score. And then you're like, well, fuck this. And then you, then you're WD guy when you, uh, when yeah, you don't play well, Exactly. but I wasn't going to play well, yeah. there was no way. And it sucks because I was really kind of looking forward to that again, not because I was going to be competitive in my flight. I think it would have been fair to say I'd be last second to last, something like that. But I'm just happy that I might have gotten to that point that I'm in the flight and I couldn't participate because when I would, and I don't even know how to explain this. I would bend over to put the ball and the T in the ground and it would hurt my teeth cuz like the pressure yeah. from i guess the swelling
1: or yeah your the blood in your head m- it is. moving up when you're dipping down to put the tea in there and that just kind of oh, puts pressure brutal. on So your I'm going to
0: try to go and play. I've invited you. Yep. I get th- I'm picking up the read you will not be playing with me today. That's 50-50. my that's my read. But either way cuz I'm just going to go out there and just see, see how I cuz I got a match tomorrow and I didn't see how I can play otherwise I'm going to have to push that back too. It's a fucking mess. So it's one of those things you hear things when you're in your twenties and I know you dismiss them. And I don't, I don't blame you for dismissing them cause I dismissed them, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to, it's kind of like when I talked about, you know, um, uh, my cancer scare, certainly that's a personal thing, but I did it because I, when that happened, I was like in my early mid thirties and I'm like, if I wouldn't have gotten checked, I would have just been like, oh, I have a cough. And I know most people don't go to the doctor thinking they have anything serious. And I didn't think anything serious. I thought I was going to get a pack, and it would go away. And then all of a sudden, within truly 24 hours, I was told you have lymphoma, as it turned out to be a misdiagnosis, very fortunately. But uh, so I wanted to use my experience to try to help people in the audience say, hey, if you just have anything, just go to the doctor, get checked if you can, because you never know. Um, and then what my wife and I experienced, uh, for years, um, with doing IVF, IUI, and then IVF trying to get pregnant Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how that didn't work. And we would get told, um, you know, not by everybody, but a lot of people would tell the story of, oh, I know a couple that they couldn't get pregnant and then they just stopped worrying about it. And then the next thing you know, yeah, and I'm just like, oh, I know you're trying to be nice, yeah, but you know. This was a made up story. And yeah. then that exact thing happened to me and my wife. And so I wanted to put a face and a name on it for people. Cause I know a lot of people deal with it, but they don't talk about it. So I, that's why I did that. And on this one, I'm trying to help the people with the wisdom teeth thing no because it is, it's not worth it. 40 my, my, I basically have had a week just wasted in the middle of the summer because I can't fucking do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm dead serious, man if I didn't have bottom line, truly the, the, this is a hashtag real talk as the, as the kids would say. Yeah. If I didn't have as many live reads as I have on the radio show, I wouldn't have come in yesterday. It yeah. hurts to talk. Yeah. It literally hurts to talk. How That's fucked rough. up is that? that I mean, sucks. how
1: sad is that? And, but, and you're telling people that they need to get their wisdom teeth out. And yeah, it hurts to talk. And yeah, it
0: hurts to talk while well, I'm saying, so it's one of those things I know you're going, Oh, I, I, I want to deal with it. it. When I got my uppers taken out, it was like, I think this is fucked up. It doesn't hurt at all. I could have gone back and done the show the next day. I think I only missed one show. This, the lowers and how they were growing in, you get them taken out now. It's kind of like when I see Andy Van Slyke and he had a slap tear in his shoulder and he goes, get, get that tended to now. You don't want to get it done when I think he's 15, 16 years older than me. So I'm kind of like, well, it's not hurting me now. So maybe I should get it taken care of now. I don't know. You hear all this conflicting information, but when it comes to wisdom teeth, get them taken out. I've spent enough time on it. Let's get to the lesbian shit. Hell yeah. All right, here we go. What do we got here? What do we got here? Please no name in caps. <laughs> it's always a good start. Always a great That's immediately start. how you get read. <laughs> I write to you with an erotic tale of lesbianism and self-deprecation. It was winter break of my senior year of college, New Year's Eve in Chicago. I was going to the University of Missouri at the time and had spent the previous summer doing an internship up in Chicago. A few of us planned a small reunion back in Chicago. Well, he's saying Chicago a lot. Uh, I had a small spark with a girl who still lived in the city and she invited me to stay with her for the trip. That spark still lingered into the fall, so I knew there was a shot at rekindling. She had one roommate who was a fellow intern of ours over the summer. We do the whole song and dance of going out to a bar for New Year's Eve. When it came time to leave the bar, a few of us went back to her apartment to continue drinking and hanging out. Allow me to set the scene. Girl A, my fling that lived in the apartment. Girl B, roommate of my fling. And girl C, another intern from the summer who was crashing at the apartment and me. We decided that we weren't ready to crash, so we grabbed a case of beer and began to play the iPhone drinking game Piccolo in her bed. Are you familiar with the iPhone drinking game Piccolo? No. I was when I read this yesterday. I was hoping that you would know what the hell Piccolo is. No idea. Uh, <laughs> Gabe Diarmond just texted me. I'll share this with the audience, although maybe he won't want me to. Uh, I went on 810 after I was on your show. The KU dude was yelling at me. He was so worked up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God, I wish Gabe could uh, tell I more. Might have, I might have to go podcast. <laughs> Uh, Pickle, uh, Pickle a Drinking Game is a fun app that comes on uh, an- as a group or one by one. Answer the questions and follow the instructions no matter how crazy they get. Good times and hysterical laughter guaranteed.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, the, the description of where this goes, it sounds like it's inevitable people are gonna
1: fuck. Yeah.
0: I know all four of us in bed sounds ridiculous, but if you've ever been in a shotgun-style apartment in, uh, now Gabe is sending me the link, uh, you know they are tiny and have very little living space. Further side note, Piccolo is basically truth or dare with drinking and sexual directions given by the phone. Okay. Girl, A's turn is up. (laughs) This picturing Gabe getting
1: yelled at by the Kansas. Well, he's on the phone, too. (laughs) And just going,
0: I just can't believe my summer's been ruined and now I got this guy (laughs) who's worried is school is going to be in a conference with Houston (laughs) is yelling at me about it. Uh, girl A's uh, turn is up and her direction is to make out and bite the ear of the person to her left. Me, we were all intoxicated. So girl B and C watching didn't feel like a big deal at the time. When we were done, girl, a, my fling smiles at me and says, now them with a tone that implied I didn't have a choice.
1: God, I like this a lot. I
0: really do. I'm so fucking pathetic that I do, but I'm dead serious. I really do like this a lot. I live vicariously through what may or may not be real emails. It doesn't (laughs) matter. I read them. It was at this moment I thought I was about to have the night of my life. I didn't know my fling longer than the four to five months prior and had no idea what she was into. I had also never been close to the less popular MFF, let alone the MFFF, I happily obey my command like a simp. Is that a simp move? I don't no. think that's a simp move. No, you're kind of balling. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I was about, when I read the simp thing, I'm like, man, my understanding of simp is off. No. A command or two later call for girl B and C to take off an article of each other's clothing and make out. Girl B and C and me and my girl are now simultaneously hooking up next to each other. I'm on cloud nine. Everything is going more than amazing when girl B, the roommate, gets up and drags girl C to her room. Meanwhile, girl A, my fling is starting to fall asleep, and before you know it, it's all over. Within a span of 10 minutes, I went from dropping dense ropes, shout out (laughs) Deeb's, to two of the three women in the equation deciding that they were more into each other than me and my date. I went to the kitchen, grabbed a slice of cold pizza, and went to bed. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Turns out girl B is now a lesbian and is in a committed relationship with a woman and girl C is bisexual. You're welcome, I guess. Thanks. That comes from Name Redacted.
1: Ah, oh, damn it. I know. We've, we've really, I thought we were about to, I thought there was going to be more Piccolo questions. I and know. Things were going to start getting crazy. Now, if you're
0: in that spot, I'm yeah. taking myself back. Now, of course we know the outcome, but if you are in in bed, and I know, I listen, for as much as we talk about the MMF, I can't imagine we have anybody, now maybe we do, and maybe it's going to lead to an email, gentlemen who have been in an MMM. F listening to the podcast, but if we do share your story, but the point being, if you are in a bed and you're playing this game with whatever combination of human beings, Mm -hmm. isn't it inevitable that people are going to start engaging in some kind of activity? I mean, that I'm reading that. I'm like, Oh, this every, everybody has to know
1: what's going to happen here. I
0: think that's now that's my read or am I that perverted? that I just assume stuff is going to happen even when it's not.
1: I think in like 90 out of 100 cases, you'd absolutely be right. Okay. But in situations like this, where I think once the the gentlemen started acting upon these females, they started getting more and more randy, and then they turned to each other and said, God, that's Let's skip. Let's skip him. Let's skip him. And then, him, you know, that's okay. You can... Uh, you can survive that you turn and you see that your date kind of thing is now falling asleep. Well, at that point you've, you've, you've lost it. And at that point, your better move is to ask if you can come watch. Uh, oh, and I like that. That's, in, a, that's a, that's a, that's, in, that's in the that's a parachute actually, or maybe just join. Cause she's not good. She's asleep. Not to mention, you really have no ties to this girl outside right. of the three or four months you've met her or known her, I should say. God. So maybe ask if you can tag along. And even if you can't join in, you can at least, be a spectator.
0: I'm taking, I'm trying to like put myself in this, I'm going Daniel Day-Lewis into the character. Yeah. And I'm just, i I really, and I'm like feeling a sense of depression over the the whole thing. Cause I'm like putting myself there. Yeah. Of, you think this is about to go down and then it's just ripped out from under you. Yeah, that sucks. And now you're sitting there, there's a girl either really asleep or just so not into you that she's acting like she's asleep. Yeah. And then you got, lesbianism that's right there it's right there but you can't partake or watch and you're eating a cold piece of pizza and this has all happened in a matter of 10 minutes that's a very very dramatic low yeah and i feel very sad
1: yeah because you're yeah you are you're a real high and then the second that first bite a cold pizza goes in your mouth yep uh every chemical in your brain that was firing correctly yeah. is now flooded and I, re- I really think he messed up not asking for uh, a ticket to the to the other room. You could break the pizza in there for all you Yeah, care. exactly.
0: I'm just going to sit here don't mind me.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. Seriously, just do what you got to do.
0: I think I'm also having sadness because I it, it's hitting me that I'm never going to experience this again, uh-huh. and it's just, now you will, mm-hmm. and I'll live, I, at least I'd like to think you will, mm-hmm. but I'm done. Yeah. You know, I'm, it's, it's not happening for me, and... I can recall these kinds of not necessarily this setup, but evenings where you feel like anything is possible. Yes. And it's, you know, one, two, three, four in the morning. And it's just wonderful. And I'm dead serious. It's just absolute happiness. Yeah. Which may speak volumes that this is what I find to be absolute happiness. Yeah. But, and it's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna have that again.
1: And you're right in the pocket drinking wise, where it's like oh, you're God. not hammered where you're gonna like grow yep. up and be a jackass, but you're not sober, so right. you're very confident and yep. the words are just flowing out of your mouth like butter. Mm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's rare. That's a you're in rare form at that point. And then you combine it that may with, yeah, It, be it, I, it. it yeah. may be the mountaintop. it might be as good as I'm dead
0: yeah. serious. It may be the mountaintop. The first time I had any lesbianism in my life, it was I don't even know how the hell it happened. I was vacationing in Las Vegas long time ago, man. Mm-hmm. And the producer who wasn't producer Joe, this is pre-producer Joe. Mm-hmm. I guess he texted me to see how it was going and it's like, he's producing the show and I'm still out mm-hmm. and it was with a stripper and I'm dead. She was beautiful. Uh-huh. I know it sounds, I know, I know though I know that I know when you say stripper, you don't usually find the adjective beautiful, Yeah, hot, amazing, you know, phenomenal by whatever, whatever you will, would hear. But she's a beautiful woman. I mean, a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the, here's, I, I recall thinking this now she, she was at her peak even probably kind of before my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to give you, and then I'm going to give the audience, uh, a point of reference. She's 53 now. got she was six feet tall. Not the stripper stripper was small. <laughs> um, Stacy Williams Action Jackson, are you familiar with Stacy Williams? No. All right, I'm gonna pull up what I, she was a sports illustrated swimsuit mount. Now let me make this clear. As is the case with any of my dalliances, I'm really just kind of there. You know?
1: <laughs>
0: I'm Corey Patterson yeah. in the Colby Rasmus trade. Yeah. I'm I'm there by definition, but it's not like anybody's really excited that I was a part of the deal. So yeah. I want to make that clear. But I am there. I'm trying to find a wonderful picture because I want I want I want the audience who hasn't pulled up the picture of Stacy Williams yet to to hear there we go. It's not the greatest picture.
1: No, but she's very attractive. That's
0: and that's what I remember thinking. I just remember going, oh my God. And and not only and so and so let me tell you what happens. Mm-hmm. And this is very important for me to share because I want this on I want this on a podcast so when my son listens to this. Yeah, he'll know. He'll know. <laughs> that his father experienced this and then also had some kind of similar depression. So, I mean, it's incredible. It's so hot that I'm the, the producer calls me. That's not why he called me, but we were, I guess, texting. I don't know when it was, it was in the two thousands, but it wasn't like iPhone time yet. And, uh, and I go. I'm at the absolute mountaintop. I don't know if anything can ever get better than this. I mean, yeah. it really was because I mean I have you know, and they're and they're they're like super into each. It's just what, it's it's what everything that you want, and so much so that they exchange numbers. And there's talk of her once she's done. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was spearmint rhino. This was, this was pre spearmint rhino turning into what it's turned. Have you been to spearmint rhino? No, but I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I don't go, I mean, I don't really get to Las Vegas anymore anyway, but it, it spearmint rhino turned into the dry humping factory of, of the Western hemisphere. You cannot go in there and not get dry humped. And I'm just not really up for the dry humping, but Hey, if that's your thing, God bless to each their own. We don't kink shame on the radio show or this podcast. Nope. But this was like right before it got huge and they expanded, but they did have a lovely uh, group of uh, Friends of the Feather performing. And so we leave. Uh, She has my significant other's phone number. Once again, I'm Corey Patterson. Nobody wants my number. I think if I were hit by a cab, I don't think anybody would have noticed for a day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And we get back to the hotel room and as it turns out, uh, there is a missed call, and we missed her call no. while we were in the elevator. No. You know, because you don't get the yeah, signal. Yeah, you don't get signal in there. And then tried to circle back. No. Nope. But by that time, didn't pick up. Damn. And so when I read this, I I still am not over it. I mean, we're talking a couple decades
1: now. Yeah. And I think about that. Yeah. You know? Because what, what could be? What could be is worse than God. like... Than anything, the uncertainty is the worst part. I mean,
0: it continued on. There was talk of her coming to St. Louis, us going back to Las Vegas. It was a whole thing. Yeah, and it was wonderful, but it never, ever happened. And so, name redacted. I, I, I feel badly for you. I truly do. I don't know what I would have done in your spot. Jackson says he would have brought the pizza into the lesbian room. Yeah,
1: that's about your only option.
0: I don't know. I think I, here's what I think. I honestly think if I'm in his spot, what I think I would have done, I think I'd have had the pizza, but I would have been right outside the door trying to hear things.
1: Yeah, I was. That that's, was. That was that's what I think I would have done. If you if you didn't get the invite in, I mean, it's a it's a free living room. You can do whatever. You can sit wherever you want. And <laughs> See, most you just get a folding chair. Yeah, most of those cheap apartments have you know, paper thin walls. All right. Yeah, you're gonna hear it in Colombia. That's how it was the apartment i lived in you could hear everything everywhere so oh, that had to be awkward at times absolutely yeah, 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 yeah i i remember
0: recall that uh so uh, yeah we want your erotic stories even though it seems like none of them ever end well <laughs>
1: no never once has a guy had like a 4 a <laughs> right. three so
0: it seems like we have a lot of breaking balls to carlos beltran yeah. in 2006 that Seriously. frees the participants yeah while well, donald trump watches like. yeah that's the that's what it seems like winds up happening in these stories but or we have Deebs just jacking off on yeah. I-70. I seventy. I guess it's, those it's, are the most successful stories. At least he gets off. Yeah, he gets he gets home or in the in the on the range. And he's driving around retrieving golf balls. That's what we have.
1: God, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've retrieved golf balls before in my day. I've picked, And you did you ever play yourself while never you were even, in the cage? Never even thought of it. My my only thought was how Debs could I, is Randy, man? How, how could I stop doing this as soon as possible cuz I hate this. <laughs> that was my only thought going through my head.
0: And and you know people are firing
1: balls at you intentionally. Yeah, You're a moving serious, target. I'm, I'm just trying to survive and leave. I'm not trying <laughs> to work on my right to left ball flight at yeah. Jackson. Yeah, 270 out. If You can see me.
0: Uh, now this topic, I didn't anticipate this, um, when I brought it up yesterday. Um, and that is the Woodstock 99 thing, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't about Woodstock 99. I guess I didn't phrase it well because I feel like all the emails I've got, I got a lot of emails on it. Um, focus on Woodstock 99. There is a documentary on HBO. Uh, you haven't watched it yet. Have you? No, we were talking about it before we started recording. Um, And it's done by Bill Simmons about Woodstock 1999, which I, I mean, vaguely remember. It was in late July of 99. I was two weeks into my first TV job in Little Rock. Um, and I, my wife and I, we watched it on Saturday night. I do recommend it in a major way. Mm -hmm. And all that went on at Woodstock 99. But what I was asking and what I continue to ask, and I gather I will continue to get emails about it, is this, and I realize you weren't even, well, you were born in 99, but you weren't born and you know, I was in high school during the grunge era. I'm, what my question was, and somehow I feel like I, I, I must not have done a good job of, of asking the question because it seemed like every response I have gotten mm-hmm. has been focused on Woodstock, and that's not what I'm focusing on. What I'm asking, and this is my question, Based on that documentary, the headliners of that event, really, I think I think that event's really tied to Limp Biscuit. I think that's who people would think. Yeah, of the Fred most. Durst and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, but Limp Biscuit, Corn, um, specifically, I guess Kid Rock, kind of yeah. the I guess called New Metal, spelled yeah. N U yeah. Metal, that combines hip hop with metal riffs. Uh-huh. That's what I think it was.
1: Yeah,
0: and so my question. My question is this: It has nothing, and not take Woodstock out of it. It has nothing to do with Woodstock. It has nothing to do with Woodstock, and whether or not the documentary was properly representative. That's not where I'm going. I'm talking about I'm isolating it on music of the 1990s, mm-hmm. and when I think of the music that I know, my peers and I think of high school kids listening to when we were high school kids in that era. It was Pearl Jam, um, certainly Nirvana, but Pearl Jam. Alice in Chains. What am I leaving out? Soundgarden. Yeah. Like horde festival. Um, God, I mean, but a lot of guys were still into the end girls into grateful dead. Mm-hmm. And then I guess Jerry Garcia didn't die until 95. A few days after playing a show here, as a matter of fact, um, fish. Now that might be my experience, which may not be representative of people in that age range. Um, across the country. I don't know if that was a different experience. But I mean, certainly Nirvana and Pearl Jam, um, you know, were, were peak successful at that time. And their success, at least as it's told in the evolution of music, is it's a was a byproduct of um which I didn't realize at the time. I'm just listening to music. I mean I'm fourteen years old, fifteen years old, is a response to the Reagan era. Mm-hmm. Um and the cold war. Yeah. And this was the music of angst. If you want to tie it to, to, yeah. to politics. Um, then you have by the end of the decade, but it's still my age people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they, you know, the big focus of the documentary is these 23 year old, you know, recent college grads or college frat guys. I mean, that's, that's me in 1999 mm-hmm. by definition. I'm 22. I'm right there. um, so these are the same people who are into, I think, anyway, mm-hmm. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, yeah. whatever else I'm leaving out. And so what I'm asking and what I was asking, and I've gotten a bunch of emails and I'll read some of them, and I know I'm, I'm asking and it's rhetorical here because you weren't around for it, yeah. is what happened in between, they cite Kurt Cobain's suicide, April 94, is kind of the end, even though it wasn't necessarily the end, but symbolically the end of grunge. And then what wound up taking place by the end of the nineties was Fred Durst, Kid Rock. Yeah. And, and so my question, which I hope I can drive home, it has nothing to do with Woodstock, 1999, none. It just came from watching Woodstock, 99, 99. My question is what happened in 95, 96, 97, 98 to have the music shift as much Mm -hmm. as it did from Pearl Jam Nirvana to Limp Bizkit Kid Rock. Now, you can speak to this. I'm asking your opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that historically, and now we're two decades removed from, from that time period and basically almost three decades removed from peak Nirvana... Um, and you know, the, the Seattle sound Mm -hmm. Pearl jam and everything that, that came along with that and, and, uh, sound temple, the dog that historically Nirvana Pearl jam, that era in music is held in higher esteem than limp biscuit. Okay, you're looking at me like this is a terrible question. So okay, so, the, I, so you're in agreement, okay? Yeah. Because I, I don't know.
1: The Limp biscuit, Kid Rock thing is almost like a punchline to an extent.
0: Yes. And so so I'm in agreement with you on that. But, I, yeah. but just because we think that, I don't know if yeah, other people that's think fair. that. That's I fair. also don't know if it's a demographic thing. You know? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I don't know You know, know which is why I ask you, you're 20 years younger than me. I'm, that's why I'm, I'm trying to... To see, and I know you didn't experience it, but you know, like, I can still speak to the 1969 Woodstock and the Mm -hmm. perception of it, even though I wasn't around for it. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is like, what caused that? My theory, now the way it was introduced in the documentary is it was angst over Y2K. I just feel like that is just such a bullshit thing.
1: Yeah. It's tough for me to speak to that. I know. I remember Y2K, I was alive for it, but. Yeah.
0: It's just, It just, it just, just, I mean, that's just not true. Yeah. You had the Clinton impeachment hearings, although I don't know how much angst there was then. If that shit was going on now...
1: Yeah, different story.
0: Absolutely. Um, But that's kind of when things got going with CNN getting called the Clinton News Network, Fox News. It just started, I think, in 95, 96-ish. So you were starting to have the divide, um, but you didn't have social media. Um, And you didn't, you didn't you know, I mean... I don't know if, sometimes I feel like Jackson, mm-hmm. I don't want to say our generation because we're in different generations, but in 2021, people look at the people who came before us, the generations who came before both of us, and want to recreate the 1960s and what is seen as the heroism of, take your pick of a variety of figures of the 1960s mm-hmm. who made selfless, selfless sacrifices for the greater good. Yeah. And that's how history remembers Mm -hmm. them. Uh, the way we do it is by, uh, attacking people on social media from burners, um, you know, and not crossing bridges in Selma, but that the goal is to recreate, you know, 1969 Woodstock. Yeah. But to come to what was going on in 1969 versus 1999 are
1: just, you know, it's night
0: and day. I mean, number one, you had Vietnam yeah. because the actual people there were getting drafted to go to war for a yeah. war that they didn't support. Correct. Um, much less civil rights. Still angst. The, the the end of the innocence. You've heard it maybe with some of the sound stories where we mm-hmm. talked about. Nineteen sixty three. Anybody who comes in here remembers exactly where they were when Kennedy was shot. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King is assassinated. RFK is assassinated. The rise of drug use. Um, music, I mean, you want to talk about a decade in music shift. I mean, it obviously happens. It happens in every decade, but the start of where music was in 1960 on January 1st, 1960, where music was versus where music was on December 31st, 1969 has any decade ever had a greater Delta than, than the 1960s no probably not so i just i feel like in a way it's romanticized and so therefore those of us who weren't around and though not necessarily us per se but people in our age range or your age range want to recreate that and so that's what goes on but you can't recreate it because it really did come from organic angst yeah and it was justified yeah um, and what the point in the documentary was, you know, the United States economically had had an incredible decade. Uh-huh. There was relatively speaking peace. You were two years removed, or excuse me, two years away from September 11th occurring. Mm-hmm. So the ignorance was bliss.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and you know, you had had the Iraq war, but that was at this point nearly 10 years ago. And that's, that's the premise, like where was this angst coming from mm-hmm. that led to, this style of music becoming, and some people have said what was going on on MTV actually played a role in it, which is amazing. And they did talk about this in the documentary. I don't know what caused this, but MTV, MTV for you is probably something you have maybe spent five minutes watching. I mean, I would imagine it's probably not even on your rotation, is no, it? I mean,
1: I don't, well, live TV in general isn't, isn't much. Yeah, you know, I know.
0: That's my wife says the same thing. because I don't even I don't even pay attention to live no, TV. No, but
1: I, I think the last time they were relevant for anyone my age, not necessarily me, was Jersey Shore when that was yeah, out. So no. other than that, for for people my age, and I could be wrong, but I think that's once that got off the air, then streaming just blew up like directly after that or even during it. So MTV became a thing that they play Rob Dyrdek show, not the cool, <laughs> not the one with him and big. It's his like Americans funny, some videos, someone tweeted out a picture of it. They play it for like 18 hours a day. That's what it is. Yeah. That's all. It's essentially Rob Dyrdek channel.
0: I don't even, point. I yeah. don't even bother with it, but, but people are pointing out is the reason Nirvana and Pearl Jam, but Nirvana in particular, yeah. Um, MTV controlled music mm-hmm. and they did prop them up. Yeah. Because hair metal became, you know, that which was popular in 88 was a punchline in 91. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, you see, whether you see documentaries on like Motley Crue, Poison, Def Leppard, it's like, you know, we went from up here to a joke in a in a couple of years. You know, and they all tried to alter their sounds to Mm -hmm. try to fit in with what Kurt Cobain was doing, but that was viewed as real and authentic. Definitely. And so they were out. And so then MTV says this is what it is now. Yeah. And so then these bands, which were considered alternative, were now actually mainstream. Yeah. So then Cobain kills himself. I'm thinking of my experience, and I was at Missouri at the time and I think of the music in 95, 96, 97. And honestly, what I think, I don't think of great, like, alternative. Rock. Now, people might be like, how'd you miss this? And I mean, maybe I just did. But I think of shit like the Macarena. I think of the Spice Girls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ace of Bass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think of, like, poignant music. Now, that's my own experience. It is an acknowledged uh, less than you know, sophisticated observer of the music scene at the time. I wasn't paying it. I mean, I wasn't even watching Seinfeld. My wife, you know, she'll watch me sometimes watching comedians and cars getting coffee with Seinfeld. Just, show. Oh, you a fine. Are you a fan of Seinfeld? No, I go, the fuck makes you think I'm not a fan of Seinfeld? She goes, well, you never watched the show. I go, I was in school at the time. We weren't yeah. sitting around watching TV, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've never watched like more than a handful of episodes of Seinfeld, which yeah. might seem, but I love curb your enthusiasm. Love. So yeah. I'm sure I would enjoy it. The point being. I, MTV then started getting into the Britney Spears, Sync, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, and TRL was the place that the artists went. And then you also had, at the same time, Limp Biscuit, Corn, And so there was this war yeah. of music uh-huh. and the, the people who were at Woodstock, so to bring it to Woodstock, were pissed off that MTV was like hyping up this teeny bopper shit yeah, and turning their back on Rock and roll, albeit a a newer version, new metal of rock and roll. And so there was tension. And so MTV, uh, is pointed to, so I got a bunch of emails on it. Um, dear Tim, found your query about how music changed in a matter of a few years from grunge to the bands featured in Woodstock 99 intriguing. I wanted to state my opinion and some history to start. I think we have to go into why grunge rock took the airwaves by storm at the time. Rock was really divided between classic rock, hair metal and alt rock, which at the time was mostly independent and underground. Largely, you can contribute MTV with grunge becoming a thing by giving a platform to a genre normally wouldn't have been seen by the average consumer. Nirvana busts on the scene with their video for Smells Like Teen Spirit on MTV, and their don't-give-a-fuck attitude becomes a sensation. Nirvana's whirlwind success, really out of nowhere, leads the industry to feature more underground alt-artists, truly starting the grunge era and the rise of alternative rock. With the grunge era now in full steam, the other genres of rock start to also adjust to the change in times. Classic rock becomes old standards or float trip music to some, and hair metal shifts out of style and louder, hard alt-rock bands replacing them. All the while, drugs and the anti-conformist attitude of the early grunge bands start to take hold of the scene, and grunge bands start to die out. Now in mid-90s, grunge is still around, but counterculture bands with softer-sounding alternatives start to join the airwaves. Bands like Collective Soul, Oasis, Candlebox, Goo Goo Dolls start to make commercial success with a less angst-driven style, and the feminist movement brought many female-fronted front uh, fronted artists uh, like Alanis Morissette and Fiona Apple. Extensively, this is where grunge dies. With grunge dead, now is when the harder alternative bands start to gain more steam. The fans of angst turn to harder sounds that weren't being offered with the current chart-toppers, Alternative rock was dividing with very little middle ground. Softer alt goes through many short cycles, bordering closer to pop or adult contemporary, and the harder alt just gets harder and more extreme. By the late 90s, it evolved to what we had at Woodstock 99, two clearly different genres being packaged alternative rock on the same airways. Mm-hmm. I feel like I rambled on a bit too much here, but music history is a topic I'm very passionate about. Uh, I'll leave you to discuss and can follow up. See you at TMA Live. That's from Aaron Williams. I thought that was a good email, so I yeah. highlighted that. And I think that might, you know, I don't really. I get, but he's right. I mean, I am thinking. I, Oasis certainly. I can remember the whole Wonderwall thing, mm-hmm. um, but it was beyond Wonderwall. They were, and and their angst was amongst themselves with the two brothers fighting. Uh, Collective Soul. I. I mean, I know they were popular, but I didn't really feel like they. You know, and I know he's not saying they took storm like Pearl Jam or Nirvana did. Candlebox, I remember far behind at 94 because my guy next door in the frat house played it on loop every
1: day. <laughs> yeah. There was a couple of guys who would do those songs and it's like, you're ruining us for my dude. Question where were guys like, like in the mid nineties in popularity wise, mm-hmm. like Tupac, Biggie Snoop Wu-Tang Clan.
0: Yeah. I feel like that. I feel like that's an important part. And he, I thought this was a great email and uh-huh. I've got, I've got a couple more that I'll read. Um, I think the popularity, the rise in popularity of rap uh-huh. into the mainstream is is a huge part of new metal because it's Fred Durst yeah. wasn't really singing. No. He was rapping uh-huh. over metal riffs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's when people would be going batshit yeah. in Throw the mosh pits, around. you know. Yeah. A, and that, and so yeah. I think the popularity of rap then played a role in gotcha. white suburban kids Definitely. accepting it. Yeah, So it was, it, it, you know, I mean, I observed this and shit, I think it was in grade school. I'm like, oh, why is it okay if we listen to the Beastie Boys, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember thinking that I'm like in St. Gabriel's Parish, I'm going, because you know, I was, I was into public, I mean, I don't know how it happened. I really don't, but I was into public enemy, yeah, run You DMC. know, the eighties run DMC. I had raise in hell. The, yeah. the album, uh, I mean, I think that's a 1985 ish album. I know I was introduced to run DMC by walk this way. Yeah. But then I remember listening to the whole album going, God, this is I mean, walk this way is great, but yeah. Everything Peter really- Piper, it's tricky. You know, my Adidas, I could just, you know? Yeah. So I was into it and I'm like the white kid listening to magic one Oh eight by myself. Yeah. And you know, had heard You Can't Touch This a year before it became, like, this phenomenon. Yeah. What else? Oh, Young MC and Tone Loke. Young MC with Bust a Move, Tone Loke, Wild Thing, Funky Cool, Medina.
1: Yeah.
0: But those were almost kind of again, this is my interpretation and people get really passionate. It's like when people talk about sandwich shops in St. Louis, I'm like, God, (laughs) I want to talk about it, but fuck people get angry about what sandwich they like. It's so strange to me. Yes, (laughs) You know, I mean, truly some people like some things and some people don't like other things. And it's just, it's an, so I like, I, I don't even like wade into it, but fuck it. You know? Um, I think, I think what made it for lack of a better term, cool, which isn't the word I'm really trying to find, but is more the gangster rap mm-hmm. of NWA and, like, the the Compton Boys yeah. in the Hood yeah. scene more yeah. than Young MC, Tone Loke.
1: Kind of the East Coast guys were less... I mean, I guess, like, Puff and Biggie were different. But, but that they weren't around, like,
0: yeah. I'm talking about late 80s, early 90s, okay, yeah, yeah. you know? I West mean, that's Coast what was we, and big it's thing. like, oh, wow, this... Snaked yeah, ice and cubes. He's kind of scary. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. but that was because you went from like like and rap, but then you're introduced to that. Yeah. And then, and I was actually familiar with Tupac being a digital underground fan, but oh, not yeah. just because of the Humpty Dance. Yeah. It was do what you like. Uh, God, I can't remember a couple of them, but I remember Tupac trapped. Holler if you hear me. I'm trying to, th- I'm like, I love Tupac.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and I always like that. To me, Tupac versus. B I am just like, to me, it's so obvious it's Tupac, but I know people get, I don't, it's like saying you like Mom's Deli, you know, (laughs) people get really worked up about it. I don't want to go into it, Yeah. but I'm just like, how, I mean, to me, Tupac isn't a, it's not for lack of appreciation for Biggie Smalls, it's just like Tupac was at another level, don't get me wrong, you know, but I mean, we're talking, but fuck, it doesn't matter, I know I'm going to get hate mail about it, my my rap takes. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, Point like, being, yeah, hip hop had become mainstream, whereas I can tell you this, man, it's a real thing. It was a real part of my experience growing up. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I was an outcast for loving it, yeah. especially for where I went to high school. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure wouldn't be the case now.
1: No, it'd be the opposite. Yeah. You'd be an outcast if you didn't
0: like Yeah, hip-hop. exactly. But I was I was an outcast. Like, I would get mocked for it. I kind of didn't care. I was already in my own. I was on you know, one of a handful of kids, like truly three kids from my neighborhood who went there. So uh, I was already, Yeah, chip on you your know, shoulder kind of thing. Uh, and getting cut from every fucking sport, as we detailed with Dick Wehner and the sound story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm just like, well, this is the music I like. Yeah. And you guys in this Grateful Dead thing, I mean, that's great, but... You know, not for me, that's just not my thing, yeah. And I mean, to me, it's so this is, but but you know, I wasn't like angry that people like Grateful Dead. Then, per then, I feel like the Pearl Jam thing kind of was more of a night, but I mean, Nirvana was 91, 92, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, um, but I my premise is this the acceptance of rap, both its music and its culture, by suburban white. Teens and 20-somethings, mm-hmm. most likely is the bridge that I'm missing. Okay. And that is when it took place, 93, 94, 95, 96. You had Beastie Boys, really had to kind of be in the weeds to be aware of third base. Snow was a joke. Marky Mark, yeah. now, you know, one of the most you know, well-known and accomplished actors, which you would never thought back when Marky Mark and the funky bunch had feel the vibration in 91. Yeah. But I think it was more Eminem actually.
1: Yeah. That was, I was about to say is like Eminem late, mid to late nineties. Yeah. That
0: was the thing. And he was vouched for by Dr. Dre, which was was the key. Yeah. That was what he needed. That was the key. And And produced by him too. So it sounded
1: exactly. It got radio play.
0: So you had that and that, I think, I think that's the bridge so I don't think you need a political movement for music to be popular. It's not no. like the United States have the Vietnam era for the last fifty years. No, but but I, I'll tell you this: with the shit that's gone on the last, whenever you want to take your pick of the start point, if I say two thousand sixteen, I know that'll, and it's not. But I mean, I take your pick of whenever you would want to say. I would have thought it would have led to, and maybe it's going on, and I'm just in the dark. So I want to make that clear. Uh-huh. Some incredible music, because I my my thought is, is strife culturally is oftentimes in the kitchen mm-hmm. of the chef making the great music and the great that. art. Yeah. And maybe it's going on and maybe the pandemic has, you know, curtailed, a little curtailed bit. that yeah. that progress because people can't
1: experience it. So like my, like I, I'm, I like listening to hip hop and R&B. So that's just from like my angle, a lot of like really great artists haven't made songs like kendrick lamar hasn't come out with an album in four years and he's often regarded as one of the best drake Drake hasn't had a real album in three years uh frank ocean hasn't had an album in i think 2016 so what's the reason i i just i don't know and i i don't i I know some of them like are very picky about when they drop music frank ocean being the he never makes music but I, i i don't know childish gambino is a very articulate and like the way he makes his points is very much a social commentary. He doesn't make that much music. I just think these guys pick their spots some more because so much stuff is saturated. Because uh, music, I mean, you can make music and drop it the t- very same day. Whereas I'm sure in the nineties, it was a much more, yeah. uh, the I, it was the rise of this app called SoundCloud. SoundCloud, you could upload any music you want. And a bunch of SoundCloud artists came out where they were making Essentially, like, you know, putting out 20 songs in a month, and that was just normal. So it got kind of saturated, and now people are much more careful about when they make music because they don't want to be oversaturated. So I, 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 I would agree with you that you'd think a ton of awesome music, and this is purely from a hip-hop standpoint. I really don't know much about I mean, I like listening to other stuff, but it's almost all hip-hop or R&B.
0: Right. Well, it's rhythmic. Yeah. So exactly. you don't have rock right now. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, maybe it, maybe it will happen. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, again, I mean, I'm a 44 year old father, yeah. so I'm different. not the guy people are turning to <laughs> for an opinion, no. but I can speak to the 1990s, yeah. you know, and to an extent the night, the, the, 1980s, but mm-hmm. more really the 1990s In high school and college to me is your peak, yeah. you know, music awareness mm-hmm. for even people who aren't into it. And so that's why it was interesting to me to watch that with my wife who is, you know, seven years younger than me and is coming at things from a different perspective and go, God, I, I remember that. I remember being in Columbia and like hearing Limp Bizkit and go, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like this is, I mean, whatever, it's fine. I don't really give yeah. a shit. The girls in the red baseball hats, you know, yeah. and the tanks are hot dancing around, but I <laughs> mean, the music to me is like just whatever shit, yeah. but we don't care. I don't really give a fuck. It doesn't matter. But, um, but yet we had an appreciation for, what happened in the earlier part of the decade. And like, and so it's interesting to me because that's what I thought was the case is I don't, I don't think you're going to have people like coming out in five years with like a tribute to Fred Durst, no.
1: you know, no, like they would like, and I think, but
0: I mean, they obviously do with, with but Cobain, Cobain, but, I, but it's so often if an artist dies before his a hundred percent, Tupac and Biggie being that, that the, the case, although we're absolutely held yeah. in high esteem while alive. Yeah. Um, as is the case, like with, with an NWA, um, or I mean, Pearl Jam, you know, (laughs) I mean, Pearl Jam is still performing, Yeah, but now, you know, Eddie Vedder's probably in his fifties. It's not, it's not Not what it was when he was like jumping all over things and hanging from things while singing. And he's in his twenties and he's the voice of anger and school shootings, uh, you know, with Jeremy. So I'm just, I'm just trying to, that, that, I was trying to figure out what I, I, the grunge era, I think everybody would agree, 1995 would be on the high end if you wanted to say that's how long it lasted. So <laughs> if we agree on that, and then you also would agree that the Limp Bizkit, Kid Rock thing didn't happen until 98, 99. Yeah. But then what I was trying, I was trying to bridge, taking having nothing to do with Woodstock, and then a lot of these emails were like Woodstock centric, and nothing to do with it. Woodstock, what was going on in 96, 97, 98 that then led to this? Mm-hmm. That's what I was trying to figure out. And some yeah. people have pointed out the OJ trial, Oklahoma City, Rodney King. But Rodney King was the early 90s. 90- I mean, were people right? really that worked up about the OJ trial in 98, 99? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not dis- disregarding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess it just seems like a, you know, it's like a tap and putt in comparison to what we've got going on here recently. Yeah. <laughs> like be paying attention to that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man, I don't know. I, I, but, but that, that's what interested me. Um, let me give it, let me give another one here. Hey, uh, Tim was PLTDing and really enjoyed the conversation around late nineties, mainstream music. I think it's a fun exercise to play. Why and how does music evolve? A few factors that I would say were contributors. Number one. The mix of grunge and gangster rap that blossomed in the early 90s seems like a reasonable breeding ground for where music was taken later in the decade. Limp Bizkit, Corn, and any of those new metal rap groups can be traced to listening to NWA and Nirvana. While those were born out of political strife of Reagan-era 80s America, it still seems to fit as an evolution for the later decade, regardless of political aspects developed in the Clinton-era 90s. I totally get your mindset of, fuck, the country wasn't some desolate place in the 90s. A late 90s, but not all eras of music are born singularly from political influence, in my opinion. Number two, Eminem becoming the biggest thing in music in the late 90s had a massive influence on the industry and its direction. Violent, angry, and most importantly, a white boy. Eminem made shit talking as mainstream as any other aspect of music. He had Dre's name behind him, so he's trusted by the black community, and he looked like kids named Mason and Bryce who lived in Ladue. You have some friends named Mason and Bryce.
1: Yeah, I actually do. I do know kids (laughs) named both Mason and Bryce.
0: It opened the doors for the anti-pop group, which leads to my next point. As mentioned today, the TRL influence and bubblegum pop stars needed polarization. While half the kids in high school slash college would be listening to Britney Spears, boy bands, Nelly, et cetera, others were more emo and needed their outlet. That came in the form of mainstream counterculture like the rap rock groups and heavier stuff. Number four, while likely not having the same bearing as the reasons above, I think a better argument that can uh, than what you mentioned from the film, something about fear of Y2K, LOL, would be that the Columbine shooting happened mere months prior to Woodstock 99. Uh, that time was transformative for youth as it stripped away innocence and made us question how safe we ever really are. It also bred, as fucked up as it is to say, a swath of people who felt they really connected with the event. Not saying it made people cheer, but there were high school aged kids thinking, wow, I'm not the only incredibly angry kid out there in this world. I would argue it had a correlation to the music that grew in its aftermath. Just some of the stuff to chew on, feel free to mention it on the show, although I imagine nothing here is compelling enough to have to share with the audience. Thanks for bringing 15 hours of jackassery to my ears each week. Y'all are truly the best. Cheers. That's from Tim also. Oh, uh, well, I thought it was really good. That's why I wanted to do in yeah, the show. That was, that was, it's was a good breakdown. The Columbine thing. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that was mentioned in the documentary. I also think having an online community, so you now knew, even, albeit dial-up, yeah. to know that other people felt this way. I mm-hmm. think that's a big part. Of it. I do think that's a big part of it. And that wasn't there in the early 90s. The internet mm-hmm. was, I guess, theoretically there. But, but yeah. the mid-90s, Maybe was a bridge, and I think that's an important part. So I wasn't asking, like, challenging, like, how this shit comes. No, you were just curious. I'm, I'm legitimately curious. Cause I, yeah. like, if you go, okay, most popular song in 1996, I'd go, fuck, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Would like, would it be Wonderwall or was that 95? I pick. I always because I picture Fieldhouse, not necessarily in a positive light, by the way. <laughs> and I picture frat guys just grinding on girls to shit music. The Macarena, you know, mm-hmm. Spice Girl. I mean, that's what that's what we had. Yeah. I'm not saying that, like, hey, <laughs> take a look at this, Jackson. What did you have? We had Spice Girls in yeah. the Macarena. I mean, it's fucking awful. Yeah. I mean, these guys who are now in their 40s were out there doing the Macarena. But, hey, you do what you do. You got to do what you got to do.
1: Yeah, sometimes you got to bite it, the ball. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's but all your pride. That's what I just, I'm remembering, you know, and I wasn't thinking at the time, like, how do we go from Kurt Cobain to, to Posh Spice But you do look back on it and you go, wow, we went from Kurt Cobain to Posh Spice and quickly, quickly, you know, and (laughs) then taking a bigger step back, you go, how did we go from the 90s, which I think is, I think, romanticized the early 90s and the music to something that is like a joke. But Mm -hmm. I also think people in the early 90s were looking at. Brett Michaels, Vince Neil, yeah. you know, who else am I leaving out? I mean, I'm thinking just obscure ones, kind of. Rat, Cinderella. I don't know if Bon Jovi was necessarily looked at like those guys were, but, like, as, like, jokes, and they were done. And I feel like I've seen so many behind-the-musics where those guys are like, we went from being the coolest fucking guys everywhere to playing, like, in front of a hundred people, you know? Mm-hmm. And it happened overnight, and it it fucked us up. Yeah. So... Um, now I guess Fred, I wonder what Fred, I wonder what Fred Durst is doing. I'm going to type Fred Durst and I bet, I bet he's done an interview since that thing came out and probably pissed off that he's getting blamed for it. Wow. Fred Durst does not look like
1: Fred Durst. Really? He does he kind not. Of kind of look kind of funny when he was popular,
0: right? Oh man. I mean, this, this oh, looks boy. like a guy who I'd be playing in like the B flight, you know? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. If you were still down in like Miami. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. And he, uh, I mean, this looks like Fred Durst. I'll yeah. Be the beard is gray. I'm looking at the same picture. Okay. Yeah, that, does. but the other one, but I'm the, like, oh, wow. He's probably out working on his wedges today.
1: The backwards fitted cap with the sole patch. That's what I think of. When I think of Fred
0: Durst. yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'll, I'll see if there's any, if he's uh, been talking about this thing and if he's pissed about it. Because I saw somebody sent me a, a link to an article about Red Hat Chili Peppers saying, you know, I know you haven't seen the documentary yet, but one uh. of the highlights is the organizer of the concert, who I certainly think has a lot to, well, there are a couple of them uh, yeah. to wear for that debacle. He portrays it as he went out to tell Red Hot Chili Peppers to calm the audience because the fires were starting to break out. Yeah. And then their response was to play Jimi Hendrix, the Hendrix Experience Fire. Yeah. And, um, God, it wasn't or Anthony Kiedis, the fuck's the name of the Red Hot Chili Peppers drummer. Um, did an interview and he's like, we had already planned as a tribute to Jimi Hendrix and Woodstock in 69 to play fire in our encore. So that yeah. wasn't like a, Oh, fuck you on the spur of the moment. We're just going to break this thing out. Yeah. You know, so we, you know, that gotcha. freaks us out that we got blamed for it. Yeah. When in reality, uh, here we go. Woodstock 99 documentary. It's not just Limp Biscuits' fault. There's a lot of blame that went wrong. So that's an article, Syracuse.com. So that's close to the site. Yeah. Um, not limping fred durst still has a fortune <laughs> yeah i wouldn't expect him to have, unless he you know mismanaged it he had to have yeah. made a ridiculous uh wes borland who was he? he's he was like lead guitarist and he'd always be wearing the masks right oh is that metallic and he blames no he was in limp biscuit okay. blamed in this article blames fred durst for the lack, uh, the lack of new music but i don't think there's a big community of people who are like
1: When's Limp Biscuit gonna bring me, You know, yeah. when you make a song called "Break Something," it's like, what are you gonna like? You really thinking it's really they're really thinking about the the lyrics and shit. Let's
0: see. When the interview asked about the band's upcoming album that has yet to receive an official release date for years now, the guitarist said Biscuit has been in studio for the last ten years to try to complete a record. I want to say seven times to different studios, and we've been working on stuff, working. And Fred has been consistently kind of unsatisfied with where their vision is. So we've released singles. We did the 2013 single, Ready to Go. And we did another single called Endless Slaughter oh, that we geez. put out in 2014. But Fred, I think he's just getting to the point now. We've probably had 35 songs recorded instrumentally, and he's done vocals on them and then thrown the vocals away, going, fuck this, throw it away. So I think he's finally at the point now where he's going to pick a set of these songs that he's finally cool with and finish them, and we're going to finish a record. So fingers crossed. So that is uh, Wes Borland of... Limp Biscuit, yeah. July second, twenty twenty one. Oh, this is before the documentary even came out. Somebody was wondering where the new Limp Biscuit album is. But um you know, inevitably, nostalgia—they will come back. Yeah, and they will make money.
1: That's 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 the game. Was Nine Inch Nails really popular? Nine Inch yeah.
0: Nails, I think, is a big part of the. I think is an important part of the conversation. Yeah, I think they're part of the bridge between grunge. And the late 1990s. I think yeah. that's a great observation. Somebody emailed me in and brought uh, emailed me and brought up nine inch
1: nails, and I was remiss in bringing yeah. that up. It's a good part of the and and I mean, like Trent Reznor is still extremely relevant. I mean, he yeah, sound-
0: albeit not necessarily in what he was doing. Yeah, he you made know, the he soundtrack was like Bang for and Courtney Love.
1: Made the soundtrack for Social Network, which is one of the that's mm-hmm. such a cool. The pianos there yeah. unbelievable. So like, you know, I feel like they my, that was always a question because I didn't know essentially where they were timeline wise in it. Cause I, in this few songs I've heard of them, I was like, oh, this is actually, I really do enjoy this.
0: So I didn't anticipate it turning into the, the topic that it did. I like the topic because it just allowed me to kind of go back and go, okay, what, what happened? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, and again, not from a point of what the hell, yeah. but to try to to understand better. Yeah. Um, just something I I, I was alive for and really kind of peak awareness. Cause you're in your twenties and you're out and you're drinking and you're fucking off and I'm like yeah what 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 were we even listening to? I can picture Quentin's wasn't there when you were there right? It was gone.
1: No, Quentin's left.
0: That was the that was the place in the late 1990s and it was great because it was small, and I'm telling you, I mean holy moly. As far as I mean, just beautiful women. Yeah, for real. That's. Yeah. like the field house kind of sorority thing, yeah. albeit I'm married to a triad which is so important to me. It was, I was very important to me to marry a triad <laughs> Yes. It's very, huge. Important, very important. But my point is, is the, the, the sorority thing, you know, and the whole, the group thing thing, just, I'm just like, I shouldn't have been in the stuff, but whatever. That's what I think of when I think of field house. Um, Quentin's certainly had some of that, but it didn't it was also a lot of East Campus. I don't know if East Campus holds the same weight when I say those
1: words to yeah, you. Yeah, no, East Campus was a uh, was a different vibe. Yeah, exactly. It was a good mix of but like a combined. Yeah, it was a know, good mixture of people who were in Greek life but like were kind of anti Greek life <laughs> right, while they still yeah, in it. Right, that's there. You and go. then people who weren't in Greek life. <laughs> so, so that's that what cool I think mix. of when I think
0: of Quintin's. and I can picture one night and there were just like four or five girls on the bar. This is not a coyote ugly thing. <laughs> uh super obscure reference. But, um, and just like all of them was beautiful and they were dancing and like, I can't remember, uh, jealous again, black crows maybe. And just like, I'm just like, and they're kind of like groping on each other. I'm like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is the be-, Like now I'm experiencing college life. Cause I was like this field house thing. And, yeah, and I'm, like, I'm like, I need to transfer this at me, man. I don't know. This is. Yeah, Fieldhouse. And I know a lot of you listening who are in your 20s and 30s, and you're like, what's your deal with Fieldhouse? Because my wife thinks Fieldhouse field is the greatest thing in the world. I'm just telling you, for me, my experience in the mid-90s, it just was, it was it was the era where I think they were letting everybody in. Depends on what era you went to school in yes, Missouri and Fieldhouse. There were eras correct. where they didn't let anybody in, and there were eras where they let everybody yeah. in. And I was in the era they let everybody in. Yeah. And I just think of frat guys, you know, Yeah. and just like, Doing whatever they could to get hand play.
1: Yeah, and that's sophomore. Sophomores and fraternities are the most (laughs) just the wild. They're the yeah, they're the wildest. Because you're now no longer you're. If some cases a full year removed from being a pledge. Yeah, yeah. And you're living in the house now, and things are gonna get fucking crazy. It's so
0: amazing to look back on that and go. The reason I really didn't go out was because i i was so committed to making sure i got into the journalism school <laughs> and look what i'm doing with it yeah and first number one i didn't even graduate yeah and number two look what i'm doing with myself the education process could have stopped as doug says at like kindergarten and we would have been fine yeah but you that. but you know at missouri you don't get into the journalism school until your junior year yeah and so you know and it's not like i had like a 4 i had like a 3-2 yeah um but, uh, and and was kind of on the borderline as to whether or not I, I got in, but, uh, but got in, I'm like, I can't fuck around cause I got to make sure I get into the journalism school. So I wouldn't go out even though I was living at the Sigma Chi house, which, you know, yeah might have been Miami in the early eighties. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was, you know, it was a whole thing, but I was like, you know, I got to get into the journalism school. I've got a responsibility to,
1: you know, give yeah. sports. Take. I just <laughs> imagine you in your <laughs> mirror telling yourself you're not, I'm not going out. Tonight. Oh. Because I got to deliver the news. I (laughs) am telling you,
0: the audience, like, I'm sure there are some people who haven't seen me since, like, my sophomore year. Yeah. And they'd be like, I don't know, I I can't, probably can't, uh, it it would come off the wrong way. But I am a much different human being now. And then at the same time, like, we played, I mean, I know I was in Florida and we played that audio Uh of me yelling at the old lady. Yeah. I, like, who asked? Like, Iggy goes, can we play it? And on, my my honest reaction was no, but I know I can't say no. Yeah. Exactly. But I've heard it, and I it makes my skin crawl. And yeah. I know I'm talking about something that perhaps, like, less than 10% of the people listening you know what I'm talking about, but it was from, like, 2005, and I just, I'm so disgusted by that. Yeah. So when people, you know, get canceled and they're in the process of, oh, you're only apologizing because, you know, you're embarrassed, being, yeah. you know, now... Like, pull the shit that I used to do and say and write and whatever. And you can say, oh, you're only apologizing. I'm apologizing now before you even get to it. Yeah, nice try. Nobody is more grossed out by me than me, Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, like, holy
1: shit. I, you know. When I heard that audio, I was just like, I know, like, the voice sounds similar, but the person saying it, I'm like, that doesn't sound like like something you would say.
0: It's just, I I mean, I can't, I'm, I'm so appalled by it yeah but i'm like that's what i did and i'm sure i like i I know i said it in reaction to that i'm sure martin Kilcoin, who you may or may not even have met before never met him but a big sick fan. talented anytime i talk about martin i can't help but say sick talented and the cat who i worked with for yeah. uh forever um had to be like this guy's a fucking nut who we work with every day yeah. you know yeah because it's you know i mean i guess the cat was probably in his 40s martin late 30s and I'm 25, 26, you know, but I did, I truly did. I, we did go out until four or five in the morning, mm-hmm. no cocaine. Yeah. I mean, if I did cocaine, I tell you, I did cocaine, but it's certainly the b- behavioral pattern of somebody who would be doing cocaine. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I listened to it and it sounds like somebody who's on cocaine, much yeah. less doing it. And yeah. just like, what the fuck am I doing? And I remember, You know, in leaving KMOV, I remember Alan Cohen, the general manager. I don't know if I've ever even said this before. It's not that interesting because most people probably don't even realize I did television for five years. Um, I remember him saying, he goes, the radio thing. He goes, he goes, listen. He goes, you know what I do at at 10 o'clock and 1030? Uh, He goes, I said, yeah, you probably watch the news. You're the general manager of KMOV. And he goes, well, yeah. He goes, but then after that, I watch Howard Stern on E! Entertainment television. Wow. And he goes, I love him.
1: Yeah.
0: He goes, but I would never hire him to work in my sports department. I said, well, yeah, he probably wouldn't come here. He makes a lot of money being just a complete ass. And I was, <laughs> I was being serious. I wasn't being a smart ass, but yeah. that's just, how, I mean, that's just how big of a fucking idiot I was. Not to say it, it's changed much. And, uh, and he goes, my point is, he goes, you represent our station and you gotta, you gotta kind of pick which one you're going to be because yeah. when you're on the air here, you're a totally different person when you're on the air there. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's easy. I want to do the radio thing. Mm-hmm. First off, I make more number yeah. one. And secondly, I like it. I don't even like this. Yeah. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so it's not going to be tough. And, no. and eventually I did Lee and I, I have set three hours and I'm done. I'm not working nights and weekends and, you know, mm-hmm. doing dumb shit and stupid jokes. Uh, so fake laughs, fake laughs, news anchor, fake laughs, which Doug is wonderful. If, if, if at executing. You could, If
1: you could cut all of like the fake, that's what John Oliver
0: does when he does. You, you ever watched last week no. Tonight? and he like highlights local news? Like just the asinine shit on local news I'll have to check that
1: out. Cause that's, oh, I mean, brutal. it was bad
0: when I was going into it in the late nineties. I can't imagine somebody in 2021 and I don't even know if people do like go to Missouri or Syracuse or Northwestern and go, I want to be a TV anchor. Like I feel like I'm like stopping somebody before they inject the black tar heroin. Yeah, going, seriously, man, you don't want to fuck with this shit. No. You are gonna fuck your life up if you go do this. Oh, For real, like I can't. Imme- like who now? I don't. Man, I don't even know if people are doing it. But at the same time, if you're going to journalism school, what? Are, I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah. What are What are you wanting to do? I don't. know. Are you wanting to work at bar stool if you're a guy? I don't. I don't know what. You, I don't know what
1: no the barstool guys usually try to go i don't even know i don't i never had anyone who was like yeah i'm gonna want to work for barstool yeah it kind of
0: happens or well young views you certainly set aside yeah
1: there's different stories but usually it kind of happens by accident but uh th- i knew like a couple kids doing like tv journalism and they were hell-bent and they were great What than they gonna do
0: they want to do local tv news
1: yeah God. yeah
0: I mean, I guess the only thing I can say it's materially different now that's a good thing is you probably don't have to go, like Gabe, who is continuing to text me about this interview, which I have to listen to now. He <laughs> says it's the most fun I've ever had on the radio. <laughs> we'll have to play it for <laughs> we're gonna to, Yeah, we're going to have to get clips of it for tomorrow, I'm going to yeah. send you the link. I'm going to text you it right now, actually, Perfect. so you can we a, listen I'm gonna to this. Need, I'm going to need to get some of that for the show. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> uh, um, Gabe was in South Dakota. He started yeah. in South Dakota and I started in Little Rock and they were looking at me at KOMU like I was going to New York city, <laughs> Little Rock. Oh my God. Cause everybody was going to like, you know, those kinds of outposts. Yeah. So I mean, now you can get to St. Louis in your mid twenties, sure. but then it wasn't the but case. I, but
1: yeah, but after that, where are you like, what's the, what's the next move?
0: Oh God. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. I just don't know. Like there's one Maria Taylor. Yeah, seriously. but there's hundreds of people who want to be Maria Taylor. There's yeah. one I don't know who's the young broadcaster now in sports. I don't even know. I really don't know. I think I think it's Joe Buck, Bob Costas, Al Michaels. Still, I don't know yeah, who, I who, don't, who who I is it. I don't know if Kevin could. Burkhart's my age.
1: Yeah, I mean, could, how old's Vasikerson? Oh,
0: Vascursion's older than yeah. probably older than Joe Buck. Really? I think okay. yeah. So yeah, so that's my and that, that was like how I would handicap. Career moves. It's like okay, well I can do this, and what are my odds of being one of the you know the guys on
1: red zone might be just as like relevant as any like yeah. Scott Scott Hansen yeah, and uh, that's the, so what you? I just don't know what
0: you're doing. But man, listen, man, that's not to discourage people from yeah. Well, no, it actually is to discourage people <laughs> from doing it. But, fuck, it yeah, is, you said that. I, 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 I you know I, Bob Ramsey. I remember I was interning at KFNS in '98, and he he basically did the thing where he kind of pulled me aside. And it was a terrible business. And he was calling Cardinal games at the time. Yeah. You know? So it's one thing if you're, like, talking to the guy who's got nothing going, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm talking to the guy who's calling Cardinal games. And yeah. was an anchor at KPLR and hosting yeah. a show at that time, I think, with either Frank Cusimano or Bernie Mickles And yeah. he was doing well. So... Anyway, I don't even know what the fuck we got on this topic. I need more Adderall. But yeah. um we'll wrap it up here. I enjoyed it as always. Sending your uh, somebody sending a erotic story where he actually ejaculate. Please. Let, let's let's get home. And and then somebody else causes it to happen. I should I should include that. <laughs> yeah, because I we, include, we'll get I know, know of- cuz we've had we've had plenty where Deebs does get there. <laughs> but uh it, it's it's usually him alone in his vehicle or in a, you know, golf ball range retriever. Uh T McKernan at insidestl.com. Check out Action Jackson's wonderful handiwork at inside uh stlshop.com and uh soundstory, my sound And if you just want to go around the website, you can uh you can uh email me McKernan at insidestl.com. And by the way, we had this happen, and this uh, this may be a one-off, but as you saw, Jackson, mm-hmm. I had a guy and he wound up contacting me by DM on Twitter. I rarely even look at my DMs. Yeah. And he goes, hey, I've been trying to email, but I haven't heard from anybody. And I'm like, fuck, man, I get an email, you
1: know. Yeah, try to get back to Yeah, it so and, the,
0: and so I don't know where he was emailing, but if you have booked one and you haven't heard back, email me. Uh, I know that this might not be a huge thing, but uh, I wasn't aware of it with this one gentleman. And uh, please, never hesitate to email me for anything. Questions, comments, requests for deep dives. Iggy is willing to come in. I keep getting people saying, have Iggy come in and talk about Jason Barrett. I don't want to do that it will be, it will just be bloody. You know, it's just not it's not upside. Yeah. It's, it's just not, it's so, but, but other things I would love to have in here. It'd be great entertainment. And The guy's got a, Billion stories. So it doesn't yeah. just have to be Jason Barrett or, you know, banging 60 year olds with, you know, yeah. dangerous BMIs, you know, <laughs> 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 it can be, it can be other things. Yeah. Uh, team McKern at inside Thank you to our sponsors, the great Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. The great Mark Hanna evergreen wealth strategies, evergreen stl.com. The great James Carlton, Carlton state farm insurance agency, Carlton insurance.net. Uh, where I do, I'm going to be driving my new car for the first time after I leave here, Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mungan has stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. That is Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson. You have people there that you can contact. You know that. The great Seth Goldkamp, designer, heating and cooling, designer, service.com. With these, well, I'll tell you, I don't know. Iggy's, I guess Iggy's holding steady on this thing if it's not going to go too high, but... Jackson, I'm seeing 97 for a high tomorrow and 100 for a high after
1: that. Yeah, it's gonna be high. It's gonna be brutal. I played on Saturday. It was over 95 degrees. Sorry, eggs, but it was red hot. Yeah, and it's it's uh it's tough to play golf when it's.
0: I know. Hot. I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to go out there just because I haven't swung a club in damn near yeah, two it's weeks. Tough to go. It's uh basically practice. Uh, and uh, um, Seth Goldcamp, Mark Hanna, James Carlton, Ryan Kelly, the great Jim Rogers, the great Jim Rogers restoration one who we were supposed to play golf with on the day of my wisdom teeth surgery. And I have emailed them to reschedule Yeah, Jim Rogers, restoration one of centralsaintlouis.com. had somebody email me yesterday. As a matter of fact, going, Hey, I've got this issue going on in my basement. Uh, you know, that, that sounds, this is a Jim Rogers or stratum situation. I need to, so anytime you're having issues, I'm happy to connect you with the sponsors. It's, you know, it's like your fast pass at Disney world, but Jim Rogers restoration one, Central St. Louis, 314-565-1962. The great Jim Rogers and his staff at Restoration, one of Central St. Louis. You got water in your basement, damage your home. Man, that's what I had, and he saved the day. Jim Rogers, Restoration, one of Central St. Louis. Just a really good, good guy, too. All right, that'll wrap it up. Send your emails in for more questions, for questioning the audience, comments, erotic stories, the whole shoot and match, requests for deep dives. For Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show in the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoneExpert.com studios.